Ephesians 4, verse 17. Notice what the Bible says there. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness and greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. That you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. When we think about the life of a Christian, we tend to think about what we have in Christ. For example, the eternal blessings. There's no doubt every Christian will be pleased with what they have, forgiveness of sin, an eternal home in heaven, uh, a relationship with God the Father, you know, all these wonderful things that we have as Christians. However, who we are in Christ and how we walk as Christian is also a fundamental factor in the Christian faith. This is what is, I believe, is neglected. I believe it's not only neglected in the 21st century as much as it was neglected in the first century. I mean, we're living in a day where Christianity is, you know, <laughs> you can't tell the difference between the world and Christians today. A lot of people throw around that word Christian loosely. I'm a Christian. Uh, but it's easy to say that you're a Christian. But the question has to be asked this morning is, do you walk as a Christian? And a Christian is a Christ follower. A Christian is one that follows the Lord. A Christian is one that obeys the teachings of Christ. A Christian is one that adheres to everything that they're called. Christian, follower of Christ, a disciple, a believer. And from the time we trusted Christ as our Savior, there should be a vast difference between the way we walk or used to walk to the way we now live as Christians. I would like to teach and preach on a series called A Renewed Walk. The theme being walking as a growing Christians. And I want to teach on and preach on five messages given in these series. The first one is uh, the introduction. Uh, has to do with walk not. The second has to do with walk in love as Christ loved us. Then walk in light as children. And then walk in wisdom, not as fools. And then walk in the spirit, not as drunks. We're going to look at the first, under the introduction, we'll look at three things. Uh, first of all, a past walk. And then a present walk. And then a purposeful walk. And this is what we'll look, look, look at this morning. Let's look at the first, under the introduction of a renewed walk. In the past, the way we used to live like these Gentiles. In Ephesians 4 verse 17, he says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord. So Paul begins his appeal in verse 17 by saying, uh, you know, he testifies or uh, he brings to uh, uh, the church uh, a testimony that is in the Lord. In other words, Paul calls the attention of the church by a witness in the Lord regarding his vital plea to the church. It may be that Paul wants to emphasize the authority of his word with what he's about to say. That God is witness or the Lord is witness. You know, Paul states, this I say and testify in the Lord. So what he's about to say is, a, is no doubt before the Lord as a witness. He caused the church to no longer walk the way they used to walk as unbelievers. Look at verse uh, 17, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. How? In the vanity of their mind. Henceforth not. Uh, uh, henceforth means from here on or from this point onward or from the time you became a Christ follower. Do not walk as other Gentiles walk. 
He draws a contrast between Gentiles who are pagans and Gentiles perhaps who are Christians or any Christian that is. Do not walk like the unsaved pagan Gentile walks in the vanity of their mind. In other words, they walk after a mind that is, that is vain, worthless, immoral. Uh, they live empty lives with no purpose. They live wasteful lives with no eternal value. Someone put it like this, their life was empty, purposeless and fruitless. There was, no, there was great activity, but no progress. They chased bubbles and shadows and neglected the great realities of life. The Gentiles lived for the here and now. They were earthbound. And verse 18 to 19, Paul gives several characteristics that continue to describe the corrupted mind of the old man or the life of the Gentile, the life of the ungodly, or the lifestyle, if you will. Look at verse 18. There's, first of all, no light in them. They have no light in them. Verse 18, having the understanding, what's that word? Darkened. This would mean that they are easily misled by the deceitfulness that is in the world or the deceitful lusts, if you will. They are blind to the truth. In other words, these Gentiles walk aimlessly with no light, that is the light of Christ and the word, governing their lives. They're blind. There's no light in them. And this is the very reason they walk in the vanity of their mind. They are like false teachers in the world. Isaiah 8 verse 20, to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it's because there is no light in them. They are no different than the false prophet and the false teacher and those wizards and sorcerers and witches that try to uh, speak uh, in a way that is authoritative. These people, these Gentiles, live no different because they've been deceived by those uh, uh, people that are, live in darkness. There is no light in them and there is no life in them. Being alienated from the life of God through ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. You know, they are strangers to the life that is found in God through Christ. They, are, they don't know what it means to have the abundant life of Christ. And the reason that they are ignorant is because they're blind. And the, and the reason they are blind is because perhaps they have never heard the truth or they have rejected the truth that they've heard. You know what Jesus said? He says, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but have, look at two of them together, the light of what? The light of what? Life. He also goes on to say in John 12, 46, I, came, uh, I am come a, a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. In verse 19, not only do they have no light or life in them, but they, there is no limitation with them. Look at verse 19. Who being past feeling, past feeling, given themselves over to, unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness, being past feeling, there's no more shame, no more conviction. Their conscience has been defiled. You know, Paul is simply saying to these Christians, don't live like them. Because the truth of the matter is that we have the light of God in us and we have the life of God in us and uh, uh, we, 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 we have no doubt uh, the truth of God's word to govern our affairs. He has given us light in darkness. Don't live aimlessly. Don't live in a way that is vain and worthless. Don't live uh, like you uh, simply don't have any conviction. These people live in a way that is a disgrace, who being past feeling, their, their conscience is utterly defiled. No more conviction. There was more shame in the Garden of Eden than with these ones living today. More shame in the Garden of Eden. When they saw their nakedness, they what? They hid. Today we live in a society that nakedness is accepted. You know, the Bible says that they've given themselves over. In other words, they've made a determined decision to live in excess of, uh, of untamed lust. He calls it lasciviousness. And that means uncontrolled lust with no limits. Dirty and filthy lifestyle. Uh, you know, if wicked films were, 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 were uh, generated back then like they are now, they would have been involved in it. Every one of them excess of un, 
uh, controlled desires to work all uncleanness here. They were involved with every form of impurity, things that are dirty. Unclean is dirty, something that is dirty. Things like uh, the world deems to be normal today. The world to be, yeah, uh, there was one reporter, he's a conservative reporter, he's, he's in Canada and he's been chasing, uh, I think a 50 year old man that is uh, simply trying to have some, you know, uh, in, uh, you know, fellowship in the swimming pool with 30, year old girls and the reporters going in with some concern telling all these people hey there's a 50 year old man he might be in the in the dress room with the 13 year old girls and they're calling the police on the reporter and the reporter says no 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 no, I'll call the police there's a and he calls the police and, and it's on uh, air and he's saying there's a 50 year old man and he, I, I believe he's in the dressing room of a 13 year old girls and they don't care Things that are dirty is like same-sex marriage, unclean, fornication, unclean, adultery, unclean. All these uh, you know, films that are projected, even commercials today, unclean. Reading books un that are unclean, listening to music, unclean. They walk all unclean in uncleanness. Don't be like those Gentiles. Don't be like those people in the world. This is what Paul is simply saying. That gives us a good indication that we can gravitate to the old ways and the old walk of life. But he's, he's leading up to something about being renewed and having a renewed walk. Because you know and understand when you get saved, you know, the sanctification process happens the day you get saved. I mean, uh, you know, but it, it doesn't happen at once. There's a lot of things that God wants to uh, simply do in our lives and, 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 and get rid of and replace. So again, we'll get there in a moment. But he goes on to say, the work of all uncleanness with greediness. People who are never content, never satisfied, consistently coveting, desiring more, super selfish, living for self, greedy. Just want more. Never satisfied. By the way, living a with a mind that is darkened and has no light and living without the presence of God and the life of God will always cause a person to live a life that is vain and a life that is never satisfied. You'll keep thirsting after the things of this world without Christ and that's true. You'll keep hungering after the things that never satisfy. Paul is simply saying from here on, as Christians, do not walk the walk that these Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds. Again, this gives us a good indication that they can walk that way. And some professing Christians do, and I believe some true believers do. You know what Paul is saying? Don't walk that way. That's not your business. That's not your way of life anymore. You don't live a vain life. We're, listen, Christians have a purpose now. It's wonderful to be a Christian, and Christians have a purpose. And that purpose is the present walk that we have. He goes on to say, and this is when we look at the second point now, in Ephesians 4 verse 20, he says, but ye have not so learned Christ. So he draws another contrast. Paul reminds the church that they were taught a new way of living, the Christian way of living. Learn Christ simply means that they were taught the ways of Christ and the things of God that opposed a lifestyle that was unclean. In other words, they were taught the divine doctrines of holy Christianity, living in a way that pleased God. Not in the way that we would simply... Uh, deemed to be that uh, worldly, lust of the eyes and lust of the flesh and the pride of life. No, you weren't taught that way. Well, you were taught a new way. And so Jesus spoke about these things on the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus spoke about living in lust and living in adultery, living with an, uh, a, uh, you know, an eye that is single. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 27, he says, you have heard it. Uh, that it was said by them of old time that thou shalt not commit adultery. But look to what level Jesus takes it to. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh upon a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his what? He dealt with that. He, he actually deals with it so severe that even the thoughts and the intents of the heart ought to be mortified, put to death, 
put aside, laid aside, that we ought not to even think immoral thoughts, disgusting and wicked thoughts that the world portrays on us every day, every day through different means. And so Jesus deals with it. By the way, don't let anyone rob you from the plain and clear teachings of Christ. There are some people out there that will tell you that the Sermon on the Mount and some of the Gospels uh, you know, are not applicable for the church. That's a, that's a lie. That's a load of rubbish. Teaching them to observe all things. Whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you all way, even unto the end of the world. Amen. The disciples' main priority was to teach them Christ. Teach them the way of the Lord. Set the example, teach his teachings. I mean, you read the epistles and you see overlaps of the Sermon of the Mount in there. How can you say that that's not for the church? How can you say that that's not for Christian living? You know who says that? The one that doesn't want to deal with an eye of adultery. That's, that's the man that says that. That's the man that doesn't want to be disciplined in cutting off anything that would hinder his Christian life. He makes excuses for them. Or that was just for them. That's not for us today. Of course it is. Living holy lives and a life of purity is for us today. As a matter of fact, uh, Peter says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. For you weren't redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. He purchased us that we would live holy lives. He says, uh, you know, you have, uh, to, uh, you have not learned Christ. To learn Christ can also mean walking with Christ and learning his ways on a day-to-day -day basis, having a personal relationship with Christ by reading his word, the Holy Spirit of God communicating in our hearts and minds through his word, the unction that's been given to us, the teacher, when we read the word of God, he communicates to our hearts, he convicts us, he comforts us. It's a wonderful thing. Learning the life of Christ to live the life of Christ. That's what we do. We learn the life of Christ to live the life of Christ. Remember, we're Christians. We're followers of Christ. We're not, you know, whatever you want to call it and however you want to call it, uh, you know, the Apostle Paul followers. You know what Paul said, and we looked at this last week. Paul clearly said, be followers of me as I am followers of Christ. You know what he's saying? As I follow Christ, you follow Christ. We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. You know, Paul was never ever dividing the church and saying, hey, you guys over there, you follow Christ and uh, you guys over here, you follow me and you guys over there, you follow Peter. No, he dealt with that to the Corinthians. He says, we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. One waters, one plants, one waters and uh, God is the one that works in every heart by giving the increase. Every word of God in its right context is for every believer in Christ. Every believer. And we learn. We come alongside. Jesus said, come, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Rest. Take my yoke upon you. Look at this. And what? And learn from me. He, this is an invitation for every single Christian to come alongside of. You say, well, he's not physically here. But yeah, he gave another, uh, 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 another comforter, which was the same. And so this is the spirit of Christ that now dwells within us. And in the spirit of God, as we read the word of God, we can yoke up and learn from him. And it's a beautiful thing. And he says, I will give you rest. And he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am making lonely in heart and you will find rest unto your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, Jesus knew how to resist temptation. He knew how to say it is written when he was tempted. He was tempted in all points, just like we are, but yet without sin. He knew how to say no to sin, no to the devil, no to the wicked system of this world. He knew how to do it. And with his help and with the power of the Holy Spirit in us, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And as we yoke up with him and walk with him on a day-to-day -day basis, he's able to help us in this present walk 
as we learn from him to say no to those things that the Gentiles live in. A Bible teacher said the Ephesians learned Christ, not only learning about Jesus, but also learning him. This means living, abiding knowledge of Jesus will keep us from the kind of sinful conduct Paul speaks of. Just knowing about Jesus isn't enough to keep us pure. We've got to learn his way of life. We've got to learn his words and we've got to follow after them. Notice what Paul uses in verse 21, the word he, if. If so be that ye have heard him, have been taught by him as the truth is in him, in Jesus. So Paul is using the word if as a positive affirmation of the fact that if anyone has heard Christ or been taught uh, uh, of the things of Christ as the truth is found in Christ, then they would know that there is a vast difference between the two walks of life. Walking as a Christian, holy, godly and righteous versus walking as a lost heathen, dabbling in worldly lusts. Hey, you've learned Christ. Yeah, I mean, if you have heard and been taught and you know the truth is in him, you know there's a big difference that Christians don't walk like these Gentiles walk. I mean, you would have heard it from Christ. If you were taught by him, it's a positive affirmation. And he's reinforcing the fact that they are disciples of Jesus Christ. And there's nowhere in the scripture that Jesus taught a greasy grace. Nowhere in scripture that he taught a greasy grace. As a matter of fact, the most famous verse that we see is John 14, 6. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by him. And we use it for evangelism and understanding that there's no salvation uh, without Jesus Christ and good. But think about the words now. When you come to Christ, Jesus teaches you the new way of life, a new walk. Uh, he teaches you truth that is found in him. He teaches you, he teaches you uh, uh, life. When you closely walk with the Lord and learn his ways, you will find out that the Lord Jesus is the Holy One of God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. At the first miracle in the wedding of Canaan, Jesus wasn't a stumbling block to the people there by giving them strong drink. I mean, you, you see and understand the world that we live in today gravitates to this Jesus that wants to, you know, get them drunk. You know, Jesus made wine. Jesus sat and ate with sinners. Don't you know that? They're painting a picture that is uh, not true of Christ. You see the life of Christ and you know he was holy. In verse 22, we are given practical lessons to help us govern our present walk with, as Christians. Paul calls for a personal response. Look at verse 22. He says that ye put off concerning the former conversation of the old man which is corrupt according to what? The deceitful lusts. The phrase put off requires a deliberate choice. It is taking off a set of clothes and putting on new ones. Uh, no one ever put new clothes on top of old ones, did they? So we, we're not supposed to live the old or walk the old life. We're supposed to get rid of it, put it off. We're not even supposed to add to it. We're supposed to get rid of it and put on the new man. We are not being told to add godly things to our old life. No, we are told to get rid of the old life. Completely get rid of it. And then put on Christ. A prison inmate who is released from prison doesn't continue to wear his orange jumpsuit. He puts them off uh, once he's released and puts on new clothes and walks as a free man. You'd find it very strange if he continued to walk with his prison clothes uh, in his orange jumpsuit out in the world, wouldn't you? And so a Christian, his walk, his walk ought to be different. He no longer walks in darkness. He, he, he's been called out of darkness into the marvelous light of Christ to so, show you know, forth the praises of God and his life is different. He wears the new garment of righteousness of Christ and he walks in the way that pleases God. We are to put off the former, the Bible put off concerning the former, the former conversation of the old man. This has to, has to do with the old way of living, the old walk, the old corrupted man, the lust that once deceived us. It's corrupted according to the deceitful lust. Put it off. Verse 23, Paul gives more help, helpful lessons that will lead us to putting on the new man and have a new, renewed walk. Notice what he says here. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. This is key. 
This is where the whole framework of this series is taken from. Being renewed in the spirit of your mind. Renewed means to make new or to renovate. Not just in some decisions we make and how we live here and there, but the very spirit of our mind. Because how we think impacts how we live. You understand that? How we think will impact how we live. Every area, every area of, our, of the old man must be renewed. Every area. Now get this. Sanctification is a process. We know that. I mean, it, it's a slow process at times. At times it could be a fast process depending how well we respond to the word of God. But it's a process. God deals with us uh, from day to day by revealing things to us that we put off and then we replace them. It's, 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 it's a sweet walk with God. It's a humbling walk with God. I mean, if God were to tell me in the whole 21 years as a Christian, what do I know now? In one go, I'll drown. I mean, no one ever, I mean, I'm watering a new garden that I just simply prepared and I was thinking, no one ever drowns that seed or drowns that plant with a whole bucket of water. You gently and, uh, you know, nicely let the water flow or you're going to just drown it. I'm learning that. <laughs> One's already died, I think. I've just too much water. A little bits, milk. You know, we start with the milk of God's word and we receive that milk. You know what? Some Christians today, they start with the meat and they choke and they stumble and they fall. If you go back with the little milk of God's word, that's how you grow. It's wonderful. And you continue to grow and mature. And then you uh, can discern from good and evil, know and understand uh, the things of God in a very matured manner. God wants us to be matured. Amen. He wants us to bear fruit. But sanctification is a process. And there must be a daily denial. However, that cannot begin to take place if we do not renovate the mind. Make it new. How do you make this new? How do we change our mindset? With the word of God. When I, when I first got saved and I began to read the Bible, the wonderful words of life, I began to act upon what I read and I started being, I started, people start calling me brainwashed. And I know what they're trying to say, that I'm brainwashed and part of a cult, but later on in life, I got to think about it. I was brainwashed, and it was a good washing, and it was tremendous. I mean, mate, this mind is, 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 is getting cleaner and cleaner by the word, by the washing of the word in Ephesians 5. He sees that, that we're supposed to do that to our spouse or to our wife. You know, teach her the word of God that she may be washed that's what the Word of God does. It cleanses our wicked mind. It is a wonderful cleansing. A wonderful cleansing. <clears throat> Romans 12, verse 1 verse two, and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And then he goes on to say, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed how? By the renewing of your mind that you may what? Prove or test that what that uh, prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's the only way. Okay, I'm going to get into God's word that he would transform my mind. And I, I, and I, don't, I don't want to be conformed to this world anymore and the ways of the system of the world. What does God say about this? God, what do you say about this? What do you think about that? And you know, that's a hard way of living when you've got a whole heap of baggage coming from the old life to the new life. There's a lot of renovation to do. There's a lot of changes to make. There's a lot. It's overwhelming at times. But listen, they need to be made. This is the new walk of life that we have. Verse 24, that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Again, putting on the new man requires a determined decision on our part. It doesn't happen by accident. You have to purpose to do this. And this involves our whole walk of life. Putting off, putting on. Get rid of those to to toxic former lifestyle. Replace it with the holiness of God. Paul gives some examples. Look at verse 25. We must put on honesty, and walk in truth. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. 
in verse 26, we are to put on humility and walk in mercy. It says, be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. In verse 28, we are to put on hard work and walk in compassion. Let him that stole still no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the things which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. In verse 29, we are to put on healthy speech and walk in grace. Let no corrupt, corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto who? The hearers. All these verses can be preached upon. I'm just laying the foundation here today as a way of introduction, because we're going to see some of these things when we look at the other messages and walking in uh, love and walking in wisdom and uh, you know, walking in light, walking in the spirit. <clears throat> this is where the series of renewed walk begins. Putting off, putting on by being renewed in our minds. So important. And the new man follows after God. Look at Ephesians 4.24, the last part of that, created in righteousness and true what? In true holiness, emphasizing holiness, which is true. True holiness, genuine, sincere. In other words, we have the righteousness of Christ. We must yield ourselves to walk in the newness of life. We have the Holy Spirit. We must led, be led by the Spirit and walk a holy life. In Colossians 2 verse 6, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Now it leads us to the last point, a purposeful walk. Notice the words, this I say therefore in verse 17. This I say therefore, and testified in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Now when you note the word therefore, we then understand that Paul is teaching on something that leads us to this conclusion of walking in a renewed manner. What was he teaching on? Well, just to see the immediate context, go to verse 11. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers uh, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Look at this now unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. A purposeful walk is a walk that is being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. This is the whole thrust of salvation. Walking as Christians, being conformed to his image. I mean, Ephesians 1 says it best. In verse 3, it says, Blessed be God the Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessing and heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath what? Chosen us. How has he chosen us? In Christ, before the foundation of the world, for what purpose? That we should be what? Holy. Holy. And without blame before him in love. This has nothing to do with uh, salvation. This is the fruit of salvation. Salvation is in Christ by faith. And God purposed that we would be conformed into the image of his dear son. That we would be like his son. That we would be holy. And that we would be uh, uh, you know, without blame before him in love. Look at verse 10 and verse 2. Ephesians Chapter 2, verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should what? Walk in them. So what, what did God predetermine? What did God ordain and appoint that you and I as believers saved by grace through faith and not of ourselves would walk in, in, in Christ unto good works? Oh, salvation, just stop there. No. Salvation is the beginning and it's wonderful, but it's not the end. Salvation is the very thing uh, that simply re re regenerates us, uh, uh, makes us born again into a new creatures. We've been given the Holy Spirit that aids us to walk the life of Christ. We need more Christians. 
We have a lot of believers, but we need more Christians. Oh, I believe, I believe. Are you living like a Christian? Because there's a vast difference between the world and Christ. There's a vast difference. They don't even compare. Listen, they don't even come close. And when we do not walk after the new man, guess what happens? It hinders the work of the ministry and hinders the body of Christ. Ephesians 4 verse 2. The whole purpose of pastors and teachers given to the church, apostles and prophets in the New Testament, also epistles given to us and being taught was for this purpose, that we would be perfected for the work of the ministry, for the edifying and the building of the body of Christ. Uh, this is the reason Paul pleads with the church in verse 1. He says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Ah, if every Christian walked as Christians, walked as Christ in the church, oh, what a sweet church that would be. What a sweet church that would be in holiness and in love. Walking in love, walking in uh, 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 wisdom, uh, walking in the spirit of God, walking in the light as dear children. What a wonderful church that would be. What a beautiful church. And we're going to see that in the next session, especially walking in love. And, and, uh, and Jesus said it very clearly that all men should know that you are my disciples when you love one another. Yeah, today, I mean, Christianity, you know, for someone to lay down their life for another, man, that's, that's very foreign. You have more people giving up on people than laying their lives for people. I'll tell you that much. Marriages are going down the drain because they don't know how to love like Christ. Friendships are going down the drain because they don't know how to love like Christ. Churches are, are being broken because they don't know how to love like Christ. And you know what else hinders the spiritual growth? Well, we see it in our text. Hinders the process of sanctification and growing up into the image of our dear son. It's what I preached about last Sunday. Being influenced by the wrong people. Look at verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried away with every wind of doctrine. By who? By the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they lie wait. They lie in wait to what? They're like the roaring lion, if you will. They're like Lucifer. They're like that devil. They're like lions. They're waiting to pounce on you. Listen, because you are a threat and a light to them and a salt to them and they don't like it. Other Christians that love the Lord like it. But those Christians that are professors, and some of them are apostates, cannot stand the way you walk as a Christian. So they want to pull you down. They want to deceive you. They want to throw in some leaven. This is what happens. So you're tossed to and fro. So the doctrines of holiness are let go, and you go back to things that only cause division. Now, the false teachers not only distort the word of God, but listen, they distort the very character of God. Uh, they preach about Jesus, but it's another Jesus. They have Jesus as a worldly Jesus and not a holy Jesus. Uh, you know, this Jesus that blends in with the culture. He's a cool Jesus. I want, I want to show you some pictures here. <clears throat> this is the sports Jesus. I play tennis for Jesus. Uh, as a matter of fact, there were some Hollywood actors that had some sort of knowledge of God and they would go up and say, I want to thank God for this, uh, you know, whatever it is, award. And that's it. We don't hear much about God or Jesus or salvation after that. Well, I think just recently someone got up and said, I don't want to thank God for this. I did this myself. You know, just to, sorry? She said, this my God now. Oh yeah, she said, this award is my God now. And can I just say to you that there are a lot of people in this world that want to justify what they want to do in the name of Jesus. I'll tell you, at least that second person was honest. Was it? 
That second person was honest. But there are a lot of people that want to go and get Jesus conforming to them, right? It's almost like back in the days of Paul, you know. Can you imagine Jesus being in the Roman Colosseum and the gladiators are being cheered and Jesus is there, you know, hanging out with them? No, you wouldn't find Jesus hanging out, watching the great gladiators and people shed blood and this person being killed for entertainment. But this is what we do today. Well, at least some Christians, they sit in front of the TV, watch an action-packed movie, people getting killed and raped and this and that, and say, wow, that was a good movie, and walk out like it's nothing. You know, let's go to the next one. Look at this. The cool Jesus. This is the cool Jesus. You know, for someone to even make up that picture is blasphemous. You know what I'm saying? Uh, What's the next one? The rock star Jesus. This is the rock star. You You know, hey, let's be real. The majority of Christendom today, the charismatic movement, is all about this. They're jamming on the stage and it's packed. You think, you think Jesus is in that? No, let me say, do you think Jesus is in that? You don't know your Bible. You don't know the character of God. You don't know the terror of the Lord. You don't know. You know, we'll go back to the Old Testament and see what happened to the ones that offered strange fire. One day, God will come and he will judge the quick and the dead at his appearing. No one shall ex- escape. Every work, every thought, every deed, Every word will be made manifest. The counsel of the hearts and the motives of people will be made manifest in that day. And this is blasphemy. What's the next one? The gay Jesus. This is the Jesus that, by the way, do you notice that every single, almost every single one of them depict Jesus like a girl? That's a problem in itself, isn't it? It's what they do. They make him look like a girl. But that's okay, he's got a beard. The gay Jesus? You know how many sodomites have crept into the church and your uh, Christian that is professing, that has a, has, a, has, has a backbone for a spaghetti noodle that doesn't understand the holiness of God nor the love of God, accept this? Well, they were born like that. Yes, they were born like that. So were we. We were born sinners too. And we're called to repent and trust Jesus Christ as our Savior and be conformed into His image, not to the world. What about the next one? This is the worst. This is the woke hippie Jesus. You know, everyone's up in arms about this Jesus revolution. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie. Don't see it. I haven't. I've just seen the, tra- the trailer. It's wicked. It is not the Jesus of the Bible. They're trying to portray that, 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 you know, the holy congregation meeting has really lost our society. And so we have to make ourselves relevant to the culture so we can win the culture. So if they're having a joint and they're smoking in the church, we don't tell them, look, brother, Jesus died for our sin and wants to save us and repent. No, we just let them. We let them continue to drink. We let them continue to smoke. We let them continue, even in the congregation, the congregation, in the church. It's one thing out there in the world that they do that, and we're reaching them, but it's another thing to allow this behavior and lifestyle in the church. And that's what we have today. We have a church that's that's full of the woke, hippie Jesus that stamps your sinful lifestyle, that one day you might repent one day you know why because the long suffering of god is so good it's so greasy my friend no i know what the grace of god teaches us do you remember what titus says that the grace of god teaches us to deny all unwat and worldly what and to live what soberly righteously and godly in this present world that's the proper grace of god that's the proper Jesus. That's, the, that's, that's what he teaches us. Are we, are we supposed to have compassion to the world? Absolutely, hands down. We're supposed to reach those people. But we don't bring people that are unregenerated in the church to run it and say, well, how, what would Jesus do? All on the banner of the greasy grace and throw the holiness of God out the window. And this is what you come up with.
This house has a very good vibe. Funky, hippie, woke, Jesus. And the, and the, and the, and the, listen, and the church is gravitating to it. Isn't that sad? And if you dare to speak up against it, oh, what would Jesus do? Oh, no, no, he wouldn't turn the tables. He would say, make yourself at home. You know, you, know, you can use my father's house to, uh, you know, defraud people and make money. It's all good. It's all good. You know, the modern day Jesus brings shame and disgrace to God. And I pray that this will never take place in our church. That we would always live above board, above reproach, and holy like we ought to. Live up to our name. You see the seven churches? One of them had a name, but never lived up to it. You can have a name Christian, but are we living up to it? And you know what makes the hindrance? These false teachers that creep in. Remember what Paul said, ye have not so learned Christ. Proverbs 19 verse 27, cease my son to hear the instruction that causeth to err from the words of knowledge. Cease, stop giving ear to those false teachers. You know, sometimes when you're watching false teachers on the internet, on YouTube, you sometimes, well at least for me as a pastor, I want to know what they're on about, especially when it's causing a rift in the church or some you know, a person has brought it into the church and so you want to know what's going on so you can preach against it and say, hey, stay away from it. But get, you know, if you watch it far too long, you know what happens to you, my friend? It causes you to err. You start believing the rhetoric. You know what, you know what happens when you go, when you, when you shake that off and you go back and you prove all things and you, and you live in the word and you, you're hearing sound teaching, you get revived again. There's so many filth on that, that internet, you've got to be very careful. The Bible says very clearly, cease my son to hear the instruction that causes to err from the words of wisdom. We, you know, we are being bombarded. We are being bombarded by the false teachers that are causing Christians to... Uh, being influenced to say to those that want to live holy and godly, just tone it down. Just too much. But look at Ephesians 5 verse 6. Let no man deceive you with what words? Vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. And we're going to see that list. And you know what's part of that list? Jesting which is not convenient. Just being a oh, hyper larrikin, dumbing down the seriousness, you know, things of God. Proverbs 1 verse 10, my son, if sinners entice thee, Consent thou not. You know what we, we teach our children with this Proverbs? Just say no. Just say no. Proverbs 1 verse 11. My son, walk, thou, walk not thou in the way with them. Reframe thy foot from their path. You know, some of you are going to get hit the teenage years and you're going to make friends outside of the church and you're going to decide whether you're going to reach them with the gospel or hang out with them. And I tell you something, if you don't decide to hang out and by preaching to them, and I find for the most part, one out of perhaps 20 will come to know the Lord, the rest will ditch you, if not all. It's always nice when you see that one come to Christ. But I guarantee you, if you don't have a heart to say, I'm going to reach my friends at work, I'm going to reach my friends at school. When they talk about something that is filthy, I will walk away or I'll try to gently reprove them privately. Not put them in show in front of others. 
And if you don't do that and you're just going to go with the flow, I tell you this, I tell you this, you'll become a statistic, you'll be a Gentile, you'll come to the point where you'll be past feeling and coming to the point where you thought you'd never do what you have done. Because it only takes one little shift here and one little shift there and one little slide here and there and before you know it, you're doing things that you thought you'd never do. I'm not going to go there. Got to the point of my, my, my Christian life where some of my friends didn't ask me out anymore because they knew where I stood. They didn't bother calling me. I felt rejected at the time. I didn't know what was happening. It was a strange thing. I thought people would be, mate, gravitating to the gospel. Got saved, it's wonderful. No. In essence, our renewed walk is a walk that is simply patterned after our Savior. All throughout Scripture, we see this admonition. Ephesians 4.17 he says that ye henceforth walk not. Don't walk like this anymore. Uh, Ephesians 5.8. Uh, For ye were sometimes darkness. You were. But now you're a light in the war. Lord, walk as children in the light. Ephesians 2, 1-2. And you have he quickened. You were dead in trespasses and sin. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of what? You used to walk in the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that worketh in the children of who? This is how you used to walk. Our renewed walk is to walk after the things of God. To walk after the steps of Christ. You say, well, they're you know, big shoes to fill. They are. And God doesn't want us to fill them in one day. It's a process. Of putting off and putting on. It's our mind that needs to be set and concreted. This year, I am done with the Gentile life. I am finished watching filth. I am finished reading filth. I am finished going to those places that are filthy. I don't want to be around it. I want to live holy. I want to be different. I want to make a difference. I want to walk in love. I want to walk in wisdom. I want to walk in the light. I want to walk in the spirit. I want to be like Christ. But people think you're weird. Yeah. That's what happens when you're called, you know, pilgrims and foreigners, citizens of heaven. There's something different, but there are people that will notice the difference and they won't be intimidated, but they will rather say, there's something different. They have something I don't have. I want to know more. There are people like that out there. They are. They see the difference between heaven and earth. They see the difference between the spiritual man and the carnal man. They see it. If you're really living, I'm not talking about wacko Christianity here. I'm talking about Christ-like Christians. Not wacko Christianity. Not those that simply cause, a, you know, in the name of God and holiness, cause a bad flavor in the heart of people. I mean, you've seen those people out there. They make Christianity look bad. I'm not talking about being weird on purpose. I'm talking about God working in your hearts and life from day to day to remove some things and to add things according to his word. And you're a sweet Christian. You love like he loves. You hate the way he hates. I mean, you work the way he works. I mean, you're striving to that end. It is hard, Christian. I mean, we're living in a world that is pulling us down from every direction. The sin that easily besets us. We're surrounded by filth. The flesh, the, the world, and the devil. But I, I guarantee you that if you purpose in your mind to say, I want to renew this mind, I'm done. I know sanctification is a process. And it's from day to day and it's going to, you know, until we see the Lord. But I'm done here. I'm done. I'm done. 
I've had enough. When I decided, I remember this very clearly, when I decided, it was about a year and a half, maybe two years after I got saved. No more Hollywood movies. No more. I think the only one I think I watched after that, or I don't know if it was before that conviction, I think it was the passion of Christ, and I justified it by saying, but even then, that wasn't completely biblical. And I said, I don't care what the motive, I don't care if they use G, I'm done with that wicked organisation that trashes my Saviour's name. I'm done with them. I'm done with them. I'm sick of them using his name in the scripts, and, and I'm okay with it. I can't change it, but I can change the way I walk. And I don't want my family to have anything to do with, a, with an organization that is anti-Christ. You want to funnel more likes and subscribe and give them more money for your entertainment like the Gentile world? You do it. But you'll never be what God wants you to be until you're put off and put on. God gives you room, and I thank God for that room. He let me grow. He let me grow. And by the way, after that decision, you think I, I fell a couple of times. Now I said, Lord, I don't even know why I'm going back to this vomit. Music and movies was the greatest hindrance to me. It was, it, I'll tell you this, it was a drug to me. I can give up the drinking and smoking and drugs easier than that. If anything was harder, it was worldly music and movies. It was hard. But by, God, by God's grace, he will help you put off. And you know what? When I put it off and I said I was done, guess what happened to me? Because I was growing, but that was a hindrance. And I just went. So what did you do in your spare time watching a movie for two hours? Listen to a sermon? Go out soul winning? All oh, that flesh. But, the, but I'll tell you, the moment you get into it and you let the Spirit of God lead you and you do it, oh, how fulfilling it is. You walk away being edified and say, you know what, I've used my time walk, so, walking circumspectly, redeeming the time for the days are evil. We'll get there. We'll get there in maybe the third session. But let me tell you, listen. When we are renewed in our walk, it's living like Christ lived here on earth. It's hard, but with God's help, it's doable. One verse and we're done. Look at this. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 to 6, and we're done. Because we're not going to get it perfect. Listen to me. If you think that you're going to live perfect as Christ lived, you've already failed. We're being perfected. And we fall, we get up again by God's grace. And we dust ourselves broken before God and saying, God, I'm not going there again. I just, I violated my conviction and I grieved the spirit of God that was in me. Or I got talking in a conversation that wasn't edifying. That's why the Bible says, grieve not the spirit of God. Look at verse 3, 1 John 2, and hereby we do know that we know him. How do we know that we know him? If we keep his commandments or his word. He that saith, I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a what? Wow, that's heavy. And the truth is not in him. Oh, that was to uh, John's uh, readers. That's not for us, is it? That's for them. It's amazing how many people would like to just rip the pages of this book and say, rightly divide, we only follow the words of Paul. All scriptures given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and instruction in what? In righteousness. Why? That the man or the woman of God may be truly furnished, perfect unto all good works or matured. Verse 5, but whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. He by know we, he by know we that we are in him. He that saith he abide in him ought himself also to walk, to walk 
even as he walked. That's why we're saved. We're Christians. We're supposed to walk as Christians. Not just bear the name Christian. What God wanted is for us to be like his son, the second Adam. Not only in our resurrection, and thank God one day for that, it's coming. We're going to have a body just like his. But the life that he lived here on earth, he wants us to live. Of course, of course, in the measure of faith and abilities and calling in which we have been given, Everyone has a different calling. Everyone has a measure of faith. Everyone has a different office. Everyone has a different part to play in the body of Christ. But in every responsibility, are you being like Christ? Are you walking worthy of the vocation wherewith you accord to be like a Christian, to walk like a Christian, to live like a Christian? That's the question. And I pray that 2014, that we will walk a renewed walk, following the footsteps of the holy Jesus in the Bible, not this greasy grace Jesus that we're seeing in the world today. Amen? Let's pray.